Well, if you're joining us online, we're doing things a little different today because today is Baptism Sunday, and it's even going to be part of our text today. And so we've already had communion, and we're going to end the service a little differently with baptism, with uh, identifying and celebrating with people who are identifying with Christ in baptism. We will not live stream that, but we will post that later. So uh, we hope you can watch later. But this is, we're going to pick up where we've been, of course, in our study of Acts. We were, we, last week we got, made it to the 10th chapter, wasn't that great? And we, we saw the tale of two men, uh, Peter and Cornelius, and the centurion, uh, he was uh, a well-known person in the community where he lived. That was actually the headquarters for Rome in that area. And so the Roman guard was there. He had 100 men under him. So he was a person of responsibility. And we see that God appeared to both of these men. And we had four very important truths last week. First off, that the whole idea that the wall of separation was coming down. We saw a picture of the temple and how there was this separation from Gentile and Jew. It was a long-standing separation. But now in our story, that wall is coming down. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, you want to go back and pick it up because it's going to fit together with the message we're going to have here today. We looked at the things that were bringing that wall down. We saw that the peace, the peace of God was coming through Jesus Christ and that punched a hole in that wall of separation. Then we saw the Holy Spirit preparing people to hear, and we saw Him preparing people to go and to speak, right? Amen? And, we, and what, what, how incredible was that? And then we ended last week uh, talking about there is no place in the body of Christ for racism or any type of elevation that we might put on people, as Peter declares, by, I think under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he declares that important truth to us. And so this week, we're going to be picking up here, going, picking up, we're actually going to pick up with verse 34 where we left off. Up to this time, the boundaries of traditions are coming down, and uh, in, so, in some ways during that time, I think you'll agree that traditions were going to be challenged, because even today, we have this issue of wanting God to be predictable and but they're going to discover something. They already started, but today they're going to discover God doesn't fit into a box, all right? God doesn't fit into a box. <clears throat> you say, well, yeah, I know that. Well, we have a tendency sometimes, I think, especially the longer we've been in this thing, we, we want God to be on our terms. We like Him to be predictable, and we want to, we, in some ways, I think even in the garden, we saw that, but we we're going to see today and it's going to become very clear that God doesn't fit in any box. In fact, in Isaiah 55, 8, it's not on the screen, but the, through the prophet, God spoke. He said that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do you, do you understand that, don't you, right? God is sovereign and he moves in ways sometimes that are very unpredictable. I know we like to... We, we would like for God to be neat and tidy and so we would know exactly what's coming because that's our nature. We really want to be in control. But the reality is God doesn't fit in any box that we might create. Man has always had the propensity, I do as well, to control God and to put him in a box. I, I found this cartoon. I hope it's not offensive, but it made me smile because I think sometimes 
it is an expression of some of my own efforts uh, because we think, we're, we think we know everything and we want God to fit into our... That's why denominations exist. Everybody's trying to fit God into, into their doctrine or what they, they believe to be true. All, and, and there's truth out there. But I believe that through this story today, we're going to realize that God is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. And he's doing things that probably will surprise you. And, and it might even go against your grain at times. Because God doesn't have to do things a certain way, even though we think he does. In fact, I noticed throughout scripture when Jesus healed people, he always did it a little different all the time. You know why he did that? So you wouldn't build a box. Because if Jesus did it the same way every time, I don't know about you, but that would be a formula to me. And I love formulas, right? I'm an organ, I like A, B, C, D. God does just, not, he doesn't fit into that. He works in ways that blow me away. So today we're going to take out your insert. We're going to look at three outside-the-box truths from our text as we continue. Three outside-the-box truths. We're going to pick it up with verse 34. It's going to be on the screen. I'll be reading from the NIV. This is where we left off last week. Then Peter began to speak. He shows up. Remember, he shows up at the house, traveled 30 miles, something almost unthinkable to go into a Gentile home. He shows up and he begins to speak and he declares this truth. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. Verse 37, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Notice it says there, you know. And these are Gentiles. Now, Peter's already preached. You know, he preached in Acts 2. And now he's, that was to the Jews. Now he's preaching to the Gentiles. And he seems to believe that they know about these things. How would that be? Well, remember, whose house is he in? The centurion, right? Who was present through all of these experiences? It, it, the Roman government, the Roman guard was there. Do you think they talked a lot about what they experienced? I think they were fully aware of, of what had happened. So he's just kind of given them current events of what they already know. I think we need to be used, we need to engage current events as well in our own culture and engage people right where they are. That's what Peter did. And you notice in the first verse it says he opened his mouth and then he spoke. I, I don't know if this was his whole message. I think maybe Luke's just given us either that or it was a pretty short message, don't you wish? But, yeah, but it's probably a segment of the message that Luke thought was important, and so he's given us this account. Let's, let's keep reading. How about verse 39? We are witnesses of everything he did in the, country, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him, 
after he rose from the dead. Man, he's given a pretty personal account. Is I was there. I witnessed this. He's laying out for them the gospel. Do you see it? Jesus' ministry began in Galilee. He was baptized by John. And then we, he has this earthly ministry, and he ends up dying on a cross, right? He's giving him the whole layout here and how he resurrected from the dead, and we even ate with him. He's laying out for these Gentiles the gospel that he knew very well. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. Here's the first out-of-the-box truth. I mean, it blew the lid off this thing, and that is that this salvation is for everyone who believes. It's for everyone who believes. In John 3, 16, 17, we know it so well. We sometimes read over it too quickly, but it is an amazing truth, isn't it? It is the gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, what? Believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God sent his, his son into the world, not to condemn the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Well, wait a minute. Peter declares something to these Gentiles that is interesting. When you look at John 3.16, he said Jesus was the judge of the living and the dead. Man, he's laying, he's, he's coming on pretty strong with these Gentiles. Listen, this isn't just another religion option, you know, which existed in that day. You, there were many religions. This, this is something bigger than that. This is, this this, this one, Jesus, the Messiah, he's going to judge the living and the dead. And yet Jesus himself said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to judge the world. So how do you reconcile that? Well, there is coming a judgment. It's just not yet. Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn the world. But he will come back again as a judge. And I think sometimes we leave that out. In, in our preaching today, we, we want to... We want to give all the good stuff, right? All the positive stuff. But the reality is there is a judgment coming. And Peter said that Jesus was, is appointed to have the last word. He is going to judge both the living and the dead. He's, what do we do with that? He's calling them to respond to this important truth. Jesus will have the last word in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the reality. That is, it's, the, it's the gospel message. Without Jesus, you will die in your sins. We are all born in this sinful nature. Is that right? We're all totally depraved. And Jesus came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. And he's, calling, he's giving this invitation not just to Jews, but you've got to understand. It's been about a decade now since Pentecost. Everything up to this point is Jewish. It's a Jewish church. There were no Gentiles. And I'm sure the early believers thought, we are God's chosen people. This Messiah, this gospel, it's for us. And now God's getting ready to bust the door off, off of that. You know, they had him neatly in a box, but now, no, the wall of separation is coming down. This message is going to everyone, everyone who, who believes. You say, 
oh yeah, God loves. God's such a loving God, he would never send anybody to hell. We often say this of this verse, it's not God's love that saves you. It's God's love that makes it possible for you to believe. But you have a part in this, and can God opens your heart to receive it. An invitation is given, just like it will be in this household, and we have an, an, an opportunity and a responsibility to respond to it. In John 1, verse 12 and 13, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Do you see it? It's believing. It's believing. So it's inclusive and exclusive. Do you see it? Now it's to all nations, but it's based in belief. That's how we are saved. What do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And here Peter is preaching to these Gentiles in this Gentile home, a place where he would have never been. See, his paradigm is changing. The lid of his box has been taken off. This isn't just for the Jews now. It's for the whosoever. And because of what took place in that, in that very room that day, that very house, we are sitting here today. Amen? And it's all based in, not in our works, but what we believe. What do we believe? John, or Romans 1.16, we know this well, for I'm not ashamed of the good news, Paul said. I'm not ashamed of it because I know it is the power of God saving everyone who believes. Believes. The Jew first, he said. Also the Gentile. So it started with the Jews, and that's why this wall of separation exists, as we saw last week. They were a special people. God preserved them. They weren't perfect, but God had set them apart, and they would be the vehicle that would come and bring this gospel message to us. And they were first, but then now the Gentile is coming. And, G and we know through Abraham, God already, he already hinted at it. I don't think they understood it, but he said all the nations of the world were going to be blessed. And so I, he was thinking about us in that. And, and out of the seed, he said, I, he said, Abraham, out of your seed, that's singular, singular seed. Not seeds, seed, the blessing's going to come to the whole world. And here we are, they're getting to experience it right now. So the very most important, out of the box, why? This, now you are used to it. It's like a lot of things today, right? You're used to a lot of things. Do you remember a time without microwaves? Do you remember a time without cell phones? See, you've just gotten used to it, haven't you, right? See, that day and age, we're used to this. But that day and age, what we're doing here today, mind-blowing. This is, what? No way. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the, it's going to be for whoever believes, whoever believes. There's not going to be any room for elitism anymore. No racism, no nationalism even. Sorry. I mean, I love living in this country. I'm proud to be an American, but that, my faith is not based on my nationality. Listen, in Christ, we all become one. Jesus went to great efforts and his sacrifice. And God said, we're going to abolish this wall of separation. It's, there is no place for these things. It's amazing grace for every race. This is, this is, you say, of course, I know that. They didn't. They didn't. This was new. This was incredible. They, could, they couldn't hardly believe it, that this was actually happening. Well, let's keep, let's, uh, keep reading here. How about verse 44? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. 
The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, he had a little posse with him, they were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured, poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Here's the second out-of-the-box truth, and that is the Holy Spirit was manifested. The Holy Spirit was manifested. I don't know, you just read that, but I'm a little, I, I just love this part of the story because before Peter's done speaking, the Holy Spirit interrupts him. Is anybody intrigued by that? Yeah, he, there wasn't an invitation given. They didn't even take an offering yet. And the Holy Spirit comes, according to Peter, according to Luke's account of this experience, the Holy Spirit just sovereignly moved upon this group of people. Isn't this amazing? It's a, I call it the Gentile Pentecost. Gentile, we know the Pentecost in Acts 2 was on the Feast of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit fell on who? All the Jewish believers. It was a Jewish church. And we know the account. It was, and there's some things that are the same and things are different about this. You notice there's no flames, there's no fiery t- tongues in the air. It's di- you know, I don't see any account. There's no altar call. There's no offering. And, and here, Peter's... Did you ever think about someone... I loved your text this week. Thank you very much. Uh, someone made this uh, observation that Peter's been interrupted more than once. In fact, he's the only disciple that's been interrupted by every person of the Godhead. Think about it. He was on the mountain of transfiguration, remember? Peter, James, and John, they're with Jesus. Here's Moses. And, and what, what does, what, what's he say? He says, Lord, this is wonderful that we're all here. Let's build some booths. We'll build some tabernacles there. This is great. And he gets interrupted by who? The Father, out of heaven, he goes, he's in essence said to Peter, shh, this is my son. Listen to him. (laughs) Oh, okay, because Peter had a problem with that, didn't he? He, In fact, did he not have another experience? Jesus is coming to the end of his time, and he tells the disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to die. And he gives them the whole layout. And what's Peter do? No. Remember, he's the disciple of no way. No, no, Lord, no. May it never be. May it never be. And what does Jesus interrupts him? Peter, you're thinking like a mere man. Get behind me, Satan. And now he hear the Holy Spirit interrupts him while he's preaching. It's a great interruption, though. No tongues of fire, but the Holy Spirit falls. How is this different? In Acts 2.11, the, here the Jews received the baptism and they were hearing in their own language the wonders of God in their own tongue. That was a miracle, wasn't it? We don't really know what this type of tongue was. What, was it ecstatic speech or, or was it an unlearned language? Uh, they, here Peter says they were declaring the wonders of the mighty deeds of God. They were magnifying God. It was kind of like a worship time by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just noise. And and it had a purpose. It had a purpose. God was changing not just Cornelius and his household. He was changing Peter and all who came with him. They were going to have a major shift in their perspective. Something new. Their box was being blown apart. 
It wasn't just noise. In 1 Corinthians, we know that there is a precious prayer language. Uh, some of you have experienced that. It, it's not necessarily for public. It's for private intercession with God. Was that what this is? I, I, we really don't know for sure, but the, the scriptures tell us that, that if there's going to be a tongue in a public setting, there should be interpretation. Why? So the whole body can be edified. Something was happening there, and they were all being edified, all right? But there is, but th there is this other tongue. It's an ecstatic tongue. It's a heavenly language, and I'm not sure if this is what that was or not, but notice something here, and this is an out-of-the-box thing. The formula changes. Remember what Peter said in Acts? Acts 2.38, he preached. He's preaching just like he is now. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. We're out of order here, aren't we? They're receiving the Holy Spirit before they're being baptized. I think God loves to do stuff like this, just to shake up our formulas. God can do anything he wants to do. He can move in any way he wants to move. And here he is in this situation. It's, it's kind of like that, but not exactly. And so many things God does is, is like that. And so here he is. The Holy Spirit shows up. He wants, what's he want Peter and those with him to know? And they're even going to declare it. These have received the Holy Spirit just like us. What is God saying? It's the same message. This is for everyone. You're not, you're, not a, you're not up here and they're down here. The ground is level at the cross. And the same Holy Spirit, the same anointing you receive is now coming to these Gentiles. And nobody's even prayed with them yet. Which you always hear me say this, and it's true that God saves people, not, not me. We oftentimes think because we've been indoctrinated to believe that you're not saved till you walk forward in a church and you say a little prayer and and uh, then you get baptized and then you're saved, right? No, no. These people, God knew their hearts. They were listening to Peter pray. And guess what? In their hearts, they believed. They believed. There was a faith that rose up in them and it was sovereign. It was God working. No, and they never said it. Not that we know of. Maybe somebody in the crowd stood up and said, I believe. I don't know what happened. But the Holy Spirit came and moved upon their lives. And John 16, 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, Jesus said, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. I know there's this idea in the church world today, and I've, I've been in all spectrums. Uh, I was, you know, some groups, that, well, the Holy Spirit, you got to tame him down, keep him, keep him in his seat. You know, we, we, again, we want to put him in a box. And then there's those where, yeah, we see a lot of uh, abuse and misuse, and so because of that, we have a tendency to draw back. But I want you to know, the Holy Spirit is to be manifested in our midst, but not just in a church service. The Holy Spirit is to be manifested in your life every day. Jesus said, I'm going, so the Holy Spirit can come. And we're seeing it played out here, aren't we? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but, all, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. How many of you see yourself that way? Romans 8 says, 
that the Spirit of God came to dwell within you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And if that's not true, then you're not His. So the Holy Spirit is present. And you've always seen my illustration of the glass of milk where we put the chocolate in it. You know, that's when you came to Jesus. Holy Spirit's there, according to Romans 8. But there comes a time, a manifestation, where you stir that up and that, that glass of milk becomes totally absorbed by that syrup that's in the glass. That's exactly what God's doing. They don't even know it. In fact, sometimes I see the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives and they don't know what to call it. And I don't want to tell them because I think it'll ruin everything. Because see, we're going to try to put him in our little box. And this is how God has to work, because this is how he's worked in the past. This is how, this is how it happens. Well, maybe, may, maybe not. You, you can't put God in a box. I believe the Holy Spirit is a must for us in the church today. And I believe all the manifestations of the Spirit are still available to us today. Why? For the common good. For the common good. I heard a pastor say once that the gifts of the Spirit are like a steam engine on a train. The gifts of the Spirit are that steam, but it's not just to blow the whistle. It's to move the train down the tracks. So oftentimes, I just think we want to hear the whistle. And maybe, maybe there is a whistle, but that's not its main purpose. It's to move the train down the tracks. And you know what I think the tracks are? I think that's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Joe. It's not the fruit of Connie. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's working in me. It's growing in me. It's God's heart. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is present, these things will be growing in me. Do you believe that? See, I think we have a problem today when we think about the grace of God. We, we really focus on the fact that it's not by works, which it isn't. We focus on the fact that it's a free gift, and, and then we just kind of stay where we are, as if God's grace saved you just to keep you where you I think God's grace saved you, but it's not through. God's grace will change you. God's grace in your life will not leave you as you are. God's gra- it is by God's grace that I grow in the Spirit. It's, it's by God's grace that I change. I am not going to, I can't stay the same. And I, 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 I tr- I'm troubled sometimes by people that don't, don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. You know, I'm saved by grace. Yeah, I know that. And you are absolutely true. You're right. There, we see it in this story. The Holy Spirit just fell sovereignly. But I can tell you the people in that room will not remain the same. Once the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them, things are going to happen. Well, let's read our last couple verses here. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days days. We're actually going to get to do this today in our service, just what happened there. In our last out-of-the-box truth is water baptism. It's expected. And you, some of you just been raised with this, and you think, oh yeah, yeah, I know about water baptism. It's a big deal, I want you to know. Jesus, his last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, you know it, we call it the Great Commission, right? What did he say? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All right, you got that settled? Does he have the authority to speak to us? Should we listen to what he has to say? That's what Peter's trying to tell the Gentiles. This isn't just some new religious rabbi leader. This is the son of God. He's going to judge the living and the dead, and you've got to decide what you're going to do with him. 
Jesus says, I've been given all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when Jesus spoke that, he spoke it to Jews. What do you think they're thinking? Are they thinking Gentiles? No. You know what? That's okay. Jesus said they'll get it later. And didn't Jesus say that? What I'm doing to you now, you don't understand, but you will later. There's things God speaks to you. You don't really totally understand, but you will later. He says, I want you to go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this one thing. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How's that possible? It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to be, now they get baptized. Okay, they're done now. No, he says, now I want you to teach them. What's going to happen as you learn? You're going to grow. You're going to change. Isn't that right? And notice in the text, after he baptizes them, what, 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 stay for a few more days. Wonder what they did. I would like to be in on that conversation. I bet they wanted to know more. How, what do you think? Tell us more. Tell us more. In Romans 6, 3 through 4, this is from the New Living Translation. He says, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live in new life. When you witness this baptism today, when they baptized then, it wasn't sprinkling. It was immersion. The word means to immerse, to dip. Why? He's saying that you got to think of it. It's like a water grave. You're being baptized in the likeness of his death. You go under the water, but you raise up in newness of life. That's the image that he's wanting to create. And I, and I believe it is a symbol, but I believe it's more than that. I believe, I believe the Holy Spirit meets us in this experience. Colossians 2, 12 through 13. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. And it was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Isn't that amazing? Now, some people say, okay, then, Pastor, is, do you have to be water baptized to be saved? And here's the scripture they go to. Mark 16, 16, not on the screen. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Be careful how you read that scripture. Did you notice something? He said, if you believe and are baptized, you'll be saved. But if you don't believe, you'll be condemned. He didn't say if you don't believe and you're not water baptized. Water baptism is a part of the expression of my salvation. It's an expression of what has happened to me. So if I don't believe, I will be condemned. Doesn't matter. You can be baptized and not believe and go to hell. But you can believe and put your faith and confidence and trust in Jesus, the one who judges the living and the dead, and you will be forgiven. And you will be, you, is this, this is, no wonder they call it good news. This is the good news. And so I just, we're going to, we're going to celebrate today with those who've chosen to follow Christ and in baptism. In this service, uh, just one person, we're going to release our folks from home. We're going to 
not be live streaming this, but we'll post it later. But we thank you for joining us for this time. But now we're going to actually experience what they experienced. Now, I don't know how they got water back. Did they all march down to the river like we did when we were in the Salvation Army? I don't know. If, I don't know. It didn't tell us I would like to know. It would probably been fun. But they, they were baptized. We know that. And Paul said, what, what's to withhold this? Did this happen earlier in Acts with another Gentile? Yeah, the Ethiopian eunuch, remember? Well, I thought you said this is the first time that the Gentiles are, are brought in. No, the Gentiles have been popping up all through Scripture, but this is the time when the box, the lid of the box is blown open. This is the time when a mass of Gentiles come, and it is the seed of what, what is to come. And in every case, Peter, all, it was assumed. It was assumed, wasn't it? Yeah, you're going to be water baptized. And, and we're being baptized in the light. Now, John the Baptist baptized for remission of sins. He, it was just a, a ritual cleansing that was always present in Jewish tradition. Baptism always existed. But this is different now. Jesus takes that, and he, he raises it to a whole new level. And so today, uh, Heath Thompson, in this service, has chosen to identify with Christ in baptism. In the second service, we're going to have couple little ones and some older ones, some who've just come to Christ, some who have never experienced immersion. If you're in this service and you've never been baptized, but you believe and you're a person of faith, I want to encourage you to enter into this experience. Now, I'm not going to say something weird is going to happen to you, but I really do believe that Jesus is present in this. And I, I tell our candidates, I tell them, be prepared, be prepared. Because when you, when you identify with Christ in this way, something unique may be happening to you today. And a lot of times we'll do this as after the service like it's a tack on. I don't want to do that. I want it to be part of what we're doing today. So would you pray with me? And then I'm going to go back here and join Heath. And we're going to celebrate with him as he identifies in this experience. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your promises. We thank you that you, you're no longer kept in a box and you are sovereign and you move in all kinds of ways and you've got surprises waiting for us that we can't even imagine. And, and sometimes you're going to work in ways that probably doesn't fit our paradigm. You're, you're going to blow our formulas apart and you're going to show up and do some amazing things, just like you did at Cornelius' house. Lord, I pray that, that that is still going on today and that you are preparing hearts to receive and you're preparing people to go and speak. And, and so, Lord, our, in our lives, just like Peter and those who came with him, we're going to be changed through this experience as we minister to others. So, Lord, we thank you and we identify with you in this great experience and we celebrate with Heath. In Jesus' name, amen.